The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 135th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live. And today we are in New York City for Super Bowl week. And we go all around the world of sports for one hour. To discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. Which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in a few minutes, we'll be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, Obama Magazine. My highlight of the week is, quite obviously, just being here in New York City for Super Bowl week. The energy is just off the charts. I literally just left Radio Row a few minutes ago, and... I've been spending my week there working for NFL player engagement, writing recap articles of uh, all the interviews they're conducting on the uh, player engagement TV, PETV set, where former and current players are coming through nonstop and uh, interviewing with the hosts, uh, Aeneas Williams and David Tyree, among others. Uh, As a, for instance, uh, Adrian Peterson was the first interview of today, this morning, and uh, that just gives you the flavor of the type of big names that have been coming through, and uh, this has been a spectacular week for player engagement uh, overall, and uh, Radio Row is jumping as always. With an hour or two ago, I, Jesse Jackson walked right by me on the way to do an interview, all the big names are here, uh, Dan Marino, James Brown, uh, we're on the PETV set on Wednesday morning announcing player engagements, new collaboration with AARP, Life Reimagined, so it has just been uh, a very, very special week so far, to say the least, and uh, I feel very, very lucky to be here, to put it mildly. My low light of the week, if there can be one, if you're in New York City for Super Bowl week, is uh, the weather. It has been just bone-chilling cold. It's getting better with each passing day and each passing hour. Today is the first uh, first day that it's 
and uh, so yes, it's uh, that northeast cold snap that's been going on for uh, well over a week, and it certainly has gripped New York City as well as Boston, where I'm from, and typically do my show from, and it's just been brutal. Uh, you know, there's no cold like New York cold when you're walking down those streets and the wind is uh, rushing up those streets. But it is getting better, and it looks like there's a forecast high on Super Bowl Sunday of 50 degrees. So uh, it's just amazing when you consider all the talk on in about the weather. Um, so, yeah, it has just been something special, to say the least. Uh, now that the weather appears to be moderating finally, uh, I think it's just going to be an unbelievable weekend. I mean, everything just jumps up a level obviously, on the weekend, and uh, they're just pouring in. Radio Row today had a brand-new energy significantly above the last two days there, which were great, but Friday's the day when all the stars come out on Radio Row, so uh, it is just going to be a very exciting day, and everybody is obviously just pouring into New York City now for the game, the parties, the nonstop events, many of them put on by the NFL. So it is uh, just spectacular. And finally, my bizarre story of the week is just simply seeing the New York, the Super Bowl in New York City. It's bizarre in that it's obviously in a northeast cold city for the first time ever and uh, where the game will be played in the elements, open air. And, you know, I come to New York often. I've been coming here all my life. And... No city can put on a Super Bowl like New York. Uh, hotel rooms are available, and, you know, this city just absorbs it like they do all huge events better than any city I've ever seen. I've probably been to eight of the last ten or so, and uh, they all have a unique flavor, and this one has a New York flavor that is just uh, unique, to put it mildly. So now is my former co-host, Levon Williams, from Outside the Huddle, who is also here on Radio Row. As Levon always likes to say, time to pay some bills. Let's take our break. And next up will be AP Stedham, Bama Magazine. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite Voice America show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter. Formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams, Kwame's got the experience. So he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. Get ready for an unpredictable, fun, and sometimes sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. 
Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show... The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And at that time of the show when we typically have guests, and on the line is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, John. Uh, had a pretty good good day when I came down to New Jersey for the media day, and we have this slightly tropical weather now, right, about 30 degrees or so. Well, you just said it perfectly. It's bearable, finally, and it has not been bearable. It's been unbearable for really the better part of a week up here in the Northeast. And, uh, yeah, I'd say between us, we have Super Bowl pretty well covered. I got into town Tuesday. I drove down from Boston. Uh, I've been here ever since, mostly on Radio Row and with player engagement. But you, uh, you covered all of our bases by attending Media Day uh, in Newark. So tell us a little bit about that. How did it go? Yeah, that was my first rodeo, John. I'd never been, and I was, you know, curious to see the scope of the amount of people that would be there and the, and the type of opportunities you would have to speak to the players and coaches. And, you know, I really enjoyed it. I think when you're looking at talking to some of the stars, that becomes a little bit more difficult because you have to wrestle through the, the, the horde of media members that are trying to get in front to talk to Peyton Manning or – Wes Welker, Richard Sherman, or Pete Carroll, but uh, <clears throat> it was it was good. If you wanted to talk to some of the coaches one on one, they were available. They had the offensive coaches at one end, and then you go to the other end. All the defensive coaches were sitting down in their chairs. You can approach them uh, pretty much. So I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I got to see some people from around the country I don't run into unless it's a national event. Yeah, well, you have to sharpen your elbows for media day and push your way through those media hordes because. Uh, <laughs> It's a day like no other. Thousands were there, obviously. There's typically 5,000 or so attend. And so what was it like? Because typically it's held at the stadium where the Super Bowl was being played. Obviously, that wasn't the case this year. It was held at the uh, Newark Convention Center, if I'm mistaken. Right, right. It was at the Prudential the- Center where they, they used to play the, the New Jersey Nets basketball team was there. Now the uh, of course, New Jersey Nets are in Brooklyn now, but the, the hockey team is there. And uh, two years ago, I was actually at that arena for the NBA draft. So I was familiar right. with the building, and I wasn't sure, you know, exactly the layout. But it, but it all flowed. Uh, believe it or not, yeah, I thought it would be much more congested. Uh, but you were able to move around, and, and things worked out. So this arena seats something that sounds like fifteen, twenty thousand people, right? Bottom, right. You know? Yeah, and then they really okay. You know, I, I was under the impression, John, that maybe that you have an opportunity to take the players up into the, the seats, but that's not the way it worked out. They had 
like partition, and you would just approach the players along the edges of the the um, the basketball floor, the hockey floor, and so I was just that was slightly different than I had then envisioned. You know, that was slightly what I envisioned. You know. Yeah, and that's a little different. I know I told you in advance that, you know, in past years, I've, they have had players in the stands where you could just go up and sit in the stands and, and chat with them, uh, the ones who weren't in the booths. But, uh, yeah, every year is a little different, and I'm sure it was a different type of venue. So uh, that's great. Now, did they set up, like, the booths that the players spoke from? You know, like there's typically 10 or so star players, the coach, what have you. Did they set them up on the floor of the arena? Is that how it worked? Yes, and that's that's what they did exactly. It might have been in the neighborhood of uh, maybe ten booths for each team, and then right. the players were on that one edge. Is more like they grouped them by position, and and they, okay. they had seating. And but there was like a little partition where you, you know you can you can approach it and and talk to them. And and then like I say, the coaches were on each end. The offense was on one end, and the defense was on the other end. So it was, you know, it was very accessible and easy to to speak with them as well. But like I said, I, I was curious to see how it would all sh- shape up and what would you know be the logistics of, of moving around. But it, but it was fine. Now, who were some of the players that you talked to, AP? Because there's, uh, you know, it's great to have the access that you get there. So I know you had a couple people targeted. Yeah, you know, John. Uh, you know, primarily uh, what I wanted to talk to was James Carpenter, a left guard. Probably most people wouldn't know, but he he played at Alabama. He was a left uh, offensive tackle at Alabama, and he was a surprise number one draft choice of Seattle, the uh, 25th overall uh, player taken uh, coming off the 2010 season, 2011 draft. So I spoke to him, and and he's just a big old, you know, powerful man, six foot five, 321 pounds, and he's a man of few words. And I got him to uh, talk about his. Super Bowl uh, thoughts and and uh, you know who, who he's bringing to the game and how many tickets you know each player gets and who might be coming from his family and just you know what what his was what was his game plan on Sunday and so so that was fun for me and then I also got to speak to the offensive line coach and he just said that James was one of those players he'd never seen someone with so much power he's at another level big big man he could really road grade his opponent. So, you know, that's, that's one great. of the players I wanted to speak to. And and then, of course, with the Lane Kiffin coming to Alabama and many of those coaches and some of the players from USC, I got to talk to them about about Lane Kiffin and what he might bring to Alabama's program. And so so that was interesting from my perspective. Yes, that's an interesting hire, to say the least. You had touched on it, but it's a reality now, and uh, it should be interesting. And speaking of interesting... Uh, yeah, I had actually just uh, about an hour ago over on Radio Row interviewed Russell Okung's mother. Russell was another offensive lineman for the Seahawks, and I had interviewed her for the NFL Player Engagement website. She wrote a book. So we got together uh, literally just about an hour and a half ago, and uh, she was being interviewed on the Player Engagement TV set. Uh, but before that, we sat down for a few minutes uh so just to talk about what it's like to be, you know, the mother of a Super Bowl player and, you know, the type of week she's having and it's really cranking up for her. She's really a very impressive woman and her son is obviously a very impressive player. And it was just, you know, a great 
and unique perspective to hear, you know, all the events. I was I was interested to hear that, you know, she's seen her son, you know, last night and she's gonna see him again tonight for dinner and but you know, even when players are here for Super Bowl week, they do have family time. So I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be a lot of anxiety if, if you didn't get a chance to see your family and and share and celebrate to some degree, you know, before the big event. So you want to make sure that they're all right because, you know, if you didn't get a chance to find out if, you know, how they are, you know, like, as they say, eyeball them in person, I, I think you'd be a little bit uneasy. So, yeah, I think it's smart to, to promote that type of thing if you're a coach, you know, with all the players. Well, it is smart. smart. And, you know, it's just interesting to hear she, like the teams and the families of both teams, are staying over in New Jersey. So she actually took the subway over to uh, Midtown Manhattan. Media Center, Radio Row is at the Sheraton Times Square on uh, between 51st and 52nd Street, right on Broadway or 7th Avenue, I should say. and uh, But, yeah, so, again, it's just like an entirely new mode of uh, doing a Super Bowl. Uh, you know, the, the back and forth in New Jersey is heavy duty, as you can well imagine. Uh, people go in both directions. New York traffic is New York traffic, and, you know, so it's just crazy to try to get anywhere on the surface highways. And uh, you know, it is just, again, you know, like, Scenes. Well, let me ask you this: What was the scene like in you know downtown Newark, New Jersey, on Tuesday for Media Day? Obviously, it was frigid. Yeah, John. You know, I I had I drove, I drove down to New Jersey on Monday afternoon and stayed uh, about fifteen or twenty-five miles from Newark. So I, I was up early that morning and headed down. I think I arrived in Newark around eight o'clock at the Prudential Center. But, you know, the traffic really was not too bad. It kind of it flowed, and then once we got there, there's, there was plenty of parking, and it just was a question of, uh, you know, which door to enter, you know, if you want to enter the proper door to receive your credential. But, no, it, it, it was fine. But I would have not liked to have been there and tried to, to make it, uh, you know, even though everyone in New York and New Jersey and the metropolitan area, they're, they're always hustling, you really can't hurry. I mean, you could hustle, but you can't hurry because you're in that that traffic. There's no way you can you can up the tempo with your vehicle. You just have to wait your turn, and it's just a matter of time. You, you can't rush the process. So that, that's it, it. it flowed. It flowed that, that morning. It was, it was fine. That's good. That's good. Now, did they do the? Uh, did they have the fans come in this year? Like they have uh, at least certainly last year they did it in New Orleans, uh, sold tickets, what have you, and. Uh, I think they did it this year, right? Yes, yeah. I heard it. They were they sold the tickets. There were some fans up there, not not a large amount, but it was like twenty eight fifty to to watch the media interview the players from from the stands. Right, twenty eight bucks exactly. Yeah, and they, had, um, they had some bands there, so I think they had some high school bands playing and and, and and I wasn't sure why they wanted to entertain the media. I guess they were maybe entertaining the fans. I guess. Exactly. Exactly, and. Uh, of course, one of the fun parts of Radio Row, or excuse me, Media Day, is also, uh, you know, you see media beyond the sports media. In other words, like down in Tampa a few years ago, I met and spoke with Maria Menounos uh, from Extra, who uh, is, is from Boston. So we had a few things in common there. And uh, did you see a lot of, you know, 
entertainment-type media there as well? You know, I, I expected a little bit more, actually, John. You did? Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I saw a few, but I just thought I'd see uh, some other type of characters, m- many more than, than uh, were present that day. Uh, we had some few people dressed up in some costumes and things, but I was I was kind of busy running around trying to interview people, so I didn't pay much attention to them, but there are a handful of them. Oh, yeah, there's, like, people dressed up like superheroes and stuff like that. Of course, there's the famous woman in the wedding dress who proposed to Tom Brady back in the day. <laughs> yeah, you, I mean, you see things there that you certainly don't see at any other type of uh, sports news conference, shall we say, for lack of a better word. Right, right, and they, they've seen it in the past, so no one gets too excited or, or you know, too up in the air about, you know, those kind of people being around. Uh, and I'm sure there were some questions that were asked that were inappropriate, or, but, you know, I didn't hear any of them specifically myself. And truly, that's what sets the NFL apart from really every other league that I've ever covered, every other sport. The NFL welcomes all types of media. They, you know, they welcome people dressed as superheroes to media day. And I think that's really one of the the secrets to their success. And they're just, you know, incredible growth and exposure that just, you know, grows exponentially, you know, day by day. It's it's just uh, a great American business story, shall we say, to put it mildly. Oh, 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 yeah, they're always looking to expand their audience. They don't, they don't mind. They're, they're welcome, as you say. So, and it's always fun because you don't see it that at other other events you cover. So it, it was all in fun. Yes. Well, I'm glad you got to go because you know that for anybody in the media, and I know I said this to you in advance. You know, and I've been to about five of them. You know, media day at the Super Bowl is uh, an absolute career bucket list item if you're in the sports media. You have to do at least one in your life. So I'm glad you did it. Oh, yeah, I was thrilled, John. I, I uh, would have done anything for the opportunity. I'm glad I was you know, fortunate enough to be there, and, and I look forward to doing it again. Absolutely. Absolutely, and I'm sure you will. Um, we're the next year's in Phoenix, so uh, and then from there I think it's then San Francisco and Houston if I'm not mistaken, are the uh, upcoming Super Bowls. But uh, I'll say one thing. It, it was nice for me to be able to drive the Super Bowl <laughs> yeah. week. You know, right. for once I was able to, like, bring everything I wanted, clothes and whatnot, throw it all in the back of my car and just, you know, drive four hours down from Boston. Uh, so it's really, in many ways, made my life easier than, you know, having to pack selectively, get on a plane for a week at Super Bowl week. And, uh, yeah, so I did like that aspect of it. So, uh, again, if the weather continues on this upward warming trend, uh, I think it's going to be a, just an absolutely spectacular weekend. And, yes, let me just say Super Bowl Boulevard. I took a stroll down last night, the toboggan run down Broadway in Times <laughs> Square, <laughs> yeah. and it was lit up like I've never seen Times Square lit up, and I've been – going for years and it was just really a sight to see people kicking field goals in the middle of Times Square what have you at the <laughs> sort of NFL experience like setup that they have and uh, it was just alive it was quite a, you know quite a spectacle uh, yeah. really enjoyed it so uh, I think they're going to get you know 
tens of thousands of people will be coming today, and I think tomorrow could just be absolutely off the charts. It's supposed to be, you know, well into the 40s, and I think tomorrow is going to be very special, and I plan to be there. I definitely plan on walking through again tomorrow in the daylight, and uh should be great. So, all right, AP, well, with that said, why don't we take our break, and we'll come back and uh talk more football on the other side. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to Segment 3 of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-6-9144. Or you can email me at IIR at Comcast.net. Still on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And, A.P., we spent the previous segment talking about Super Bowl week itself, but why don't we take a few minutes now and talk about the game, starting with the fact that uh, there's a forecast high on Sunday of 50 degrees. So, weather, after all the discussion, and it has been off the charts, may not have much of an effect at all. I mean, John, I guess maybe they said the coldest Super Bowl at the start of kickoff was 39 degrees in New Orleans. Maybe you heard that. That is correct. I'm actually working with a guy at player engagement who was at that game. So I, I said his record's good. He's going to be there Sunday too. So, but his old record is going to remain intact uh, uh, of attending the coldest Super Bowl ever. Yes, I mean that's quite uh, unusual. You think it's, it's in a southern city where it's the coldest weather at kickoff. So yeah, I don't foresee. The, the weather being an effect in this game. And I just, out of curiosity, I asked some of the players and coaches who might have the advantage if the weather was bad, meaning 
you know, heavy snowstorm and a, and a strong wind. And most of them seem to think that, you know, Seattle would have the advantage, you know, because Peyton Manning would be affected by that wind and, and the snow. So, but that's not going to be a factor, I don't believe. And uh, so you're looking forward to a really competitive game and, and everybody's going to get a chance to show their skills and, you know, nothing will be, um, you know, thwarted. You know, nothing will be, uh, you know, stop them from, from running fast and throwing the ball with, with, you know, so it should be a nice, nice day. Yes, and I said, you know, forecast high at 50 degrees. That's obviously the game is uh, kickoff is 6:30 Eastern time. Uh, I doubt it will be 50 degrees then. I expect it will probably be in the 40s. That seems to be the general thinking. Uh, bottom line, you know, it just does not appear like it's going to be a factor. But you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I think it has the chance to be to be a great one. I mean, you know, we have Peyton Manning and the record-breaking Denver offense and those four spectacular receivers of his going up against, you know, the number one defense in the NFL that, you know, reflects their coach Pete Carroll and that they play with, you know, like a college team, you know, off-charge enthusiasm. We all know about Richard Sherman, who, by the way, has been pretty quiet this week. And, uh, so, you know, since the rant after the NFC title game and, uh, so yeah, you know, I, I think that matchup obviously is is the key to the game. But I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of offset each other. And what might decide the game could be, you know, the Seattle offense and Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch against, you know, the Denver defense, which was, you know, suspect during the regular season, but then came up pretty big against San Diego and huge against the Patriots. I mean, they shut down the Patriots in the AFC title game. So uh, in the, at the end of the day, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, so uh, how many times have we seen, you know, the, 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 you know, higher profile pieces of a team not decide the game and then, you know, the lower profile pieces, uh, you know, of the team do, in, in this case, the Seattle offense versus the Denver defense. Yeah, there's always a wild card, John, in these games. You, you see it from time to time. And, and I would think that, you know, Denver has that high, high-powered offense, and they're always trying to get, um, you know, so many plays run during the course of the game. If if Seattle can keep Peyton Manning on the bench, that improves their chances. And you know, have Marshawn Lynch r- rushing the football. That's that's going to be their their weapon of choice, probably to to offset you know such a prolific offense. Uh, you know, John, passing is is like is rhythm. It's can you. Can you stay in rhythm? If you if you watch Peyton Manning through the years and he's back there posing like a statue and throwing the football, he's very difficult to defeat. So they're going to have to somehow disrupt his rhythm and and but you know you have to do that for an entire game, John. I mean you could do it for ten plays and on that eleventh play you don't get to the, that quarterback. You know, a, a Hall of Fame quarterback like Peyton Manning, he, he'll he'll burn you with with the pass. So. You know, you have to be relentless the entire ball game, uh, and you know that's that's what I foresee is the the challenge for Seattle. Can you disrupt the rhythm of Peyton Manning and that offense? Exactly, that's a good key. Uh, you know, um, he is certainly a rhythm quarterback. Uh, yeah, I like Peyton Manning. I mean, not everybody in New England likes him. We all know that, but. Uh, you know, to me, he's grown into, you know, Derek Jeter status where, you know, and I live in Boston, so, 
you know, a lot of people don't like a Derek Jeter or you know, a Peyton Manning, but I'm far, far, far beyond that. And, you know, I, I like them both. I respect them both. And, you know, I can go either way on this. I, I you know, I think it'd be a great story if Peyton Manning comes off this record-setting year after four neck surgeries and, you know, wins another Super Bowl, thereby becoming the first super first quarterback ever to lead two different teams to Super Bowl victories. If he wins, that will set him apart. That will make him unique. That'll be, to me, you know, the uh, the differentiator to potentially get him, you know, have him be called by most, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time because I, I think that that just sets him apart. Yeah, that that will be uh, a, quite a legacy of leading two different teams to Super Bowl victories. And at that late stage in his career as well, John, and after all those uh, insufferable injuries that he's had with his neck. So, yeah, I think there's a there's a, a faction of football fans that are kind of pulling for Peyton Manning to get it done this, this Sunday, and they, they kind of have rebuffed the Seattle team. They don't, you know, some of those characters over there, they don't care to, you know, their style of uh, in a brash talk before the game. So I, I think some of those people maybe who didn't want Peyton Manning to win, maybe they kind of lean into that side. Yes, and so I have to ask you, did you, like Richard Sherman on Media Day, uh, did you see him there? And, and if so, what was the scene around the booth like? Yeah, he was mobbed, uh, John. You know, it was very hard to get very close at all to him. So I, he he had one of the biggest crowds there, you know, just like Manning. So, uh, but I think he kind of tempered his remarks uh, this week. Uh, you know, he he kind of was was against his um, you know swayed uh, against his other uh, remarks that he made previously about talking about the. The opponent, you know, distastefully. Right, right. I think the back page of the New York Daily News called it, you know, super boring because everybody was just, you know, I mean, after the rant uh, following the NFC Championship game, everybody was just ready for literally Richard Sherman week, as if he was just going to be like, you know, Joe Namath level, the all timer, and nonstop. <laughs> yeah. uh, what? Obviously, has not in any way, shape, or form turned out that way. I mean, he's been he's been a choir boy. Yeah, I mean, he's a communications major, smart guy. I mean, I think he knows what he what he did the previous week. I mean, he can. I, I just don't believe that he he was naive to think that he's going to come on TV screaming and yelling at Aaron Andrews, and he, he's not going to understand the consequences. I I don't know. You know, I never met him personally or anything, but I just can't believe he's. He's pretty intelligent. He he knew what he was doing exactly before the Super Bowl week. Yeah, now, Marshawn Lynch, did you happen to be uh, in the area when he showed up for his six minutes of uh, media day time? Yeah, no, John, I sure that, was. Like, no, going I was on. preoccupied with somebody, but uh, I, I just find it kind of I, I, strange that he, when they ask him certain questions, I mean, he just seems like he... He doesn't respond, and and I don't know what the big deal is about talking football. I mean, it's you're not talking anything that's you know life threatening, or you're just talking about a game you played since you were a child. I mean, why why are you making a big deal out of it? Yes, and the, the funny thing about this is, you know, 
I've seen him interviewed before. I, I didn't know that this was an issue until this week, you know, Super Bowl week. I, I, you know, not that he was a media maven, but I just thought that, you know, he, he when the opportunity for an interview arose, that he would do uh, do an interview. I had no idea that he was, like, anti-interviewing. So that that just sort of came out of left field. I, and I, I, I guess, you know, once it surfaced, then, you know, they did talk about some fines he's incurred for, you know, not not doing interviews in the past, what have you. So, uh, again, who knew? I had no idea it was an issue until really media. Yeah, yeah and, it's, and it's strange, John, because if, you just, uh, if he had just sat there and gave some short answers through the whole hour, it's, it's a non-story. He, he, he's the one who made it a story. Exactly. I mean, it's, exactly. it's absurd. I mean, I heard that the lieutenant governor, Gavin uh, Newsom, was there in town to watch him play, you know, because he's from the Oakland area. And... So, I mean, this is a, a person that talks to people. I mean, <laughs> to me, it's kind of, uh, I, I don't know, it just, it's just odd. Yeah, well, and I specifically have a memory of, you know, uh, him talking about, you know, these skills, which has become sort of his trademark. And I guess there's actually now uh, maybe a deal going on between he and the Skittles company, <laughs> if it's called that. Yeah, and yeah. So I, I mean, I I vividly remember him doing this interview on TV, and it was cleverly done, and he was excellent. So you know, yeah, yeah. Again, I don't. I, don't, I, I, I just quite, had no idea. Yeah, I don't quite understand it. If he just appeared and just you know, uh, log, you know, answered a few questions, gave some short answers, and nobody would have known the difference. I mean the. The crowd, probably the the reporters probably would have went on to another player. Well, exactly, you know, and the other way he could have done it really is just, uh, you know, I'm sure you saw a little bit of it. There are times after the first 10, 15 minutes where there are players basically sitting there, you know, if not alone, you know, uh, and you, you know, which is one or two people around, it's almost a conversation to do this story. I just the I had like Mr. Moore won tons of our own last year down inside the Superdome on Media Day. It was just there was just nobody around. It was, you know, a few minutes into it when you get that initial rush. So uh, Marshawn Lynch could have literally you know, stood the initial question. And he, like, kind of withstood, you know, being part of it. Very little situation is the best way to say it. John, don't you think it, an interesting story would be to speak to someone like Dwayne Thomas and have his perspective about Marshawn Lynch? Yes, that would be a great story. Dwayne Thomas was the original I don't want to do interviews guy, to say the least. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's a great analogy. I love that. It'd be fun to speak to him and see what would his advice be to Marshawn Lynch and, uh, and and all these other players that give people a hard time, it's just a questions about a game, really. I mean, if you you know you you can you can really take any question and, and you could always have an answer that suits your purpose. You don't need to. I don't. You know, I just this idea that you're going to refuse to answer and that people get mad. Uh, I, I don't know. I just find it kind of odd. Right, especially with us, you know, we make a living at it, and you know, I, I think it's. I know you and I are very non-threatening. Put it that way. I mean, uh, not everybody's that way in the media. 
And there's right. certainly the world of gotcha journalism out there that's become prevalent. Uh, but, you know, by and large, uh, that's really not the reality of what's going on. It just isn't. No, no, that, 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 that's rare. When you're at these big events, there's, a few, there's always somebody trying to make a name Correct. for themselves, and, and they stand out, and, and everybody knows it, but you can, you know, come up with some type of reply that, that can quiet them, or, you know, and then somebody else will jump in with another question, so you can move on quickly and, and uh, seamlessly, really, if, if, if you play it smart. Yeah, very manageable to say the least, with just a little bit of savvy. And, uh, well, AP, this is great. Let's, uh, why don't we take another break, and we'll come back for our final segment after that. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety Ray Ellis on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And before we get started, my pick of the weekend, uh, no surprise, of course, is watching the Super Bowl with, you know, a couple of hundred million of your friends. And uh, <laughs> there will be another record-breaking TV rating, to say the least. And uh, it's going to be great. So now moving off the of Super Bowl, there is, believe it or not, other sports uh, to be discussed. And we had talked... Uh, Last week, uh, about Jacob Coker, the Florida State backup quarterback who has now officially transferred to Alabama and, uh, will, I'm guessing, and you would know better than me, uh, potentially be the starting quarterback for Alabama, uh, come September. Yeah, John, he, he received his release from Florida State and Nick Saban, he was down at the Senior Bowl. He visited with Jacob Coker and, 
and uh, shortly thereafter he committed. So he needs to finish up his uh, his uh, requ- you know requirements to graduate in May from Florida State, and then he'll be headed to Tuscaloosa. And I don't believe that a person who sits for two years behind E.J. Manuel and Jameis Winston is coming to Tuscaloosa to sit on the bench. Well said. I'm sure he's not. Uh, and, you know, what a great potential platform for him to, again, sit behind those two superstars. And then suddenly uh, he's at one of the great programs in college football history that has obviously been a dynasty for the last four or five years. Yeah, and, John, you know, Nick Saban, on the recruiting trail this last year or so, he is looking at some other types of quarterbacks that can, you know, move around more than, let's say, A.J. did. So this Jacob Coker, he's one of those guys that can run with the football as well as fire that ball down the field with, with you know, a lot of power and, you know, big, strong arm at 6'5", 230, 235. So wow. this might be another dimension that the Alabama offense uh, adds to their uh, repertoire of, you know, you know, personnel that they're they're trying to incorporate into their system. Yeah. So, is there anybody? I don't know if you've seen. You know, had enough. You know, opportunity to see him play. But is there anybody comes to mind? I mean, based on what you're saying, I'm quickly thinking. You know, Blake Bortles out of Central Florida. Is he along those lines? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like that guy. The guy that can run and a strong arm quarterback. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, I've I've been watching some videotape of him. The last couple of days, and you know he'll he'll tuck that ball and his long striding at that height, he he makes some ground. You know he he makes up some uh, yardage, and uh, that'll be another dimension to the Alabama offense. So you know Nick Saban, he he's been beaten by so many of these guys that can run around and pass. So maybe he's going to say, I can't beat him. I'm going to join him. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, Johnny Menzel, although he's not big, but he certainly can run. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, Now, let me ask this. You had mentioned earlier about Lane Kiffin becoming the new offensive coordinator for Alabama and Nick Saban. Uh, You know, uh, what are you hearing about that? I mean, Nick, excuse me, Lane Kiffin is, you know, a polarizing personality, obviously. Uh, What kind of, you know? What's you know, it's, it's you're funny, John, that? because I know he's a polarizing figure, and, uh, and w- as soon as I talked to some of these coaches, I mean, they couldn't wait to tell me how how much they liked him and how much he's going to bring to the Alabama offense, and and uh, they just they were, uh, you know, they they loved the decision for Alabama to bring uh, Lane Kiffin to the program. Uh, he they said he's going to try to get the ball down the field, and he. He, he really likes to spread the field and throw it down the field, and he did just one one thing that sometimes they said he, he becomes enamored with his receivers to the detriment of the running backs. Um, but you know, most of the guys said he does like to have a balanced type offense, but that that does become apparent sometimes that he he tries to get his receivers involved a little bit more <clears throat> than uh, they should be, and another. Uh, uh, something that the person brought up with me was the fact that he, he'll run that bubble screen quite a bit. You see that bubble screen, and, and uh, that became part of the offense, uh, a staple. So those are some of the things that people and the coaches talked to me about and former players 
but they, they, they all they love playing for him, and they say he's a very good teacher. And you know, he's not a guy that's green, but they say he's, he's a passionate uh, he's a passionate coach. Well, that's interesting. Lane Kiffin, of course, is the son of one of the most famous defensive coordinators in history, both college and pro. That, of course, is Monty Kiffin. And excuse my ignorance on this one, but is Lane Kiffin known? I, I never knew him to be like an offensive guru. I mean, he, he's been a head coach despite how young he is or certainly young he looks yeah. for a long time. So I never had him pegged one way or the other, but obviously with his father, I, I probably made an assumption that he was more defense, but here he is now the offensive coordinator. Like what's his history along those lines? Yeah, John, he, he's been an offensive guy, a person uh, coaching wide receivers. He was a co-offensive coordinator I believe it was with Steve Sarkeesian, believe it or not, when uh, they were riding high under Pete Carroll with USC. So they put up some record numbers back then. So he's always That's right on that side of the ball primarily. Even though, like I said, this day, he's always noted for defense, a guru on defense, but he's, a, he's an offensive person all the way. So, yeah, and, and talk about, you know, six degrees of separation here. And we're talking Super Bowl and obviously Pete Carroll and, Lo and behold, that's where Lane Kiffin kind of made his name. So he was the offensive coordinator, and Sarkeesian was the defense coordinator under Pete uh, Carroll. Uh, and then uh, the what happened was uh, Sarkeesian was uh, they, they were kind of co-offensive coordinators at uh, USC. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, on the offensive side, yeah. That uh, Norm Chow was there too at one point. I think he was under him as a wide receivers coach. So he he's always favored that side of the ball. Wow. Okay, well, that's good. That's good stuff. Well, I'm, I'm guessing, you know, between Kiffin and uh, Jacob Coker, there's, you know, a renewed level of excitement down in uh, Tuscaloosa. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's some, you know, they're expecting big things because uh, Saban was, he's always been talking about explosive plays ever since he's been there. He wants more explosive plays, and he's recruited athletes that you shouldn't have much trouble. you got to get the right scheme and the right coaching staff to you know, promote that type of thing. So, yeah, it's going to be exciting, I think. Yeah, well, no flies on that program, right? No, no, they said he's a good recruiter, too. That's what these young these players from Seattle were telling me. Really? That's what they told okay. me, yeah. I know that I think there was really uh, actually a quarterback at Alabama. He, he committed to Alabama from California, but then he switched his commitment to USC. I think it was... The, the, the word's been going out that he didn't care for Lane Kiffin. That's why he, he uh, decommitted from Alabama, and he's going to go to USC now. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. All right, well, AP, I think that, believe it or not, brings us about to the end of our show, uh, our Super Bowl week show. It's been a lot of fun. I think you and I uh, both got some pretty good perspective, you know, on Super Bowl week, you and Media Day, me in New York now, and uh, can't wait till Sunday. It's going to be fun. Oh, yeah, I can't wait to watch it, John. I'm going to really enjoy the Super Bowl. You know that I've been there now. You really have something invested in this game. Absolutely. Uh, well, as always, thank you, AP, for joining us, and thank you for all for listening to All Around Sports. And We look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.